by saying that into the family and saying, let me do your work. Let me be an apprentice son and daughter under you. When we ask for his kingdom, kingdom to come, we are asking for heaven to invade earth. Uh, we need heaven to invade earth. In so many areas in our life and in this world, we need it to invade. And so we are asking Christ to work in us and through us in this prayer. Now today, we are going to begin to ask personally. No, so we went from such lofty heights, from the high heavens, and Jesus takes us down to earth now into our individual lives here. And so he takes us from these grand spiritual concerns uh, about, oops, I want to head back there. Oh, maybe not. Me and uh, Val were playing tag. No, okay. Uh, there we are, sweet. I'm just playing on this remote control. Truthfully, that's what I'm doing. So, okay, he takes us from these grand spiritual concerns about God's name, his kingdom, and his will to our everyday physical and spiritual concerns. So our needs for ongoing food, forgiveness, protection from evil. So today we're looking at verse 11, where it is about give us today our daily bread. Now, for my kids, I got a teenager and another teenager on the way. They, it's all about food. It's all about eating. Uh, you know, I, I remember you know, making food late at night, but our oldest, he was whipping out pans the other night, and he was like, I think he was trying to make himself a mini charcuterie board or something like that. And so I was like, what are you doing? And it's like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm like, no. And so this is not happening at 10 o'clock at night. You are not breaking out the olives and the fine beets and pickles and whatnot and making yourself the fanciest of meals. And so, um, but they, knew, they know that food sustains them. And so this scripture that we're going to see and we're going to go through is about sustaining us. And not just on a spiritual, but also on a physical need too. And so it is, give us today our daily bread. Our daily bread. Every part of the Lord's Prayer takes us down to the roots of who we are and what we are for. So we are sons and daughters, right, of a father. And that father, he's holy. He's holy. And we are to desire that his name would be hallowed here on earth. That's our desire. More than his kingdom would come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we really want. That's what we're desiring. In this prayer, we are not uh, only learning how to pray, but we are also uh, how, learning how our lives should actually look. We are in participation in, looking for and longing for the kingdom to come here. That's what it's about. So as we turn the corner into seemingly what maybe seems like lower things, our daily bread, forgiveness, and victory over temptation, it's important to see we are still down at the roots of who and what we are and what we are made for here on earth. So we should ask the question, what does it teach us that we are to be people who pray, our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread? What does this supplication teach us? What does it teach us? As we think through that, we will understand what we are praying for in this prayer and actually why we need this section of the prayer. And so we cannot rush into this saying, sweet, it's daily bread time. This is what I've been waiting for. Uh, there are some things I must have. Jeremy is a needy person. I'm a needy man. I got, I got needs, Jesus. And so I got lists. And so there are times in desperation, right, where we come directly to God uh, this way. And that's okay. There's times where something happens and we just come to him with our need right away. But most of our prayer time isn't actually completely always that desperate time. 
So throughout these first two weeks, we have looked at this prayer with the premise of what does it mean for Jesus to pray this? What is he saying about God? What is he saying about himself? And what is he saying about us? So what did this mean for Jesus? Now, looking at this way first helps our approach and perspective as we say this prayer. So here's what it means for Jesus as he tells us to pray this way. Now, Jesus, in his lifetime, he was called many things. He had many names given to him. And there's one phrase that sticks out more than the others to me recently, and it was this, that Jesus was called a glutton and a wine-bibber. Which means Jesus liked to sit with people, and he liked to fellowship with them. And at this time, you know, eating food and drinking wine, which was the common drink of warm Middle East, was how this happened. Now, where, where do you get this from, Jeremy? Well, we get this reference from Matthew 11, 18 to 20, where it says this. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and a sinner. This is how they called Jesus, a glutton or drunkard. This phrase comes from Deuteronomy 21, actually. And in Deuteronomy 21, in this context, parents are to bring you know, him and their kid to the elders of the town and say this, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. And they would say he's a glutton and a drunkard. And so what they did in this time, in this culture in Deuteronomy, is that they would then stone him to death. We are seeing some parallels here. What they were saying to Jesus by calling him a drunkard, or a glutton and a drunkard, was that he is profoundly disloyal to our traditions, so he deserves to die. That's what they're saying in Matthew 11. He is profoundly disloyal to our traditions, and he deserves to die. And we know Christ, he wasn't disloyal or a rebellious son. He was loyal to the one that he called Father. His eating and drinking with his motley crew of friends was a deliberate sign of the kingdom when he did that. It was a sign of the kingdom. Listen, when I say drinking, disclaimer, I'm not saying Jesus was a drunk. I'm saying this is the time, time they drink wine. This is how they fellowship together, eating and drinking. Jesus fellowshipping and the prayer for daily bread was part of his wider and deeper agenda. So we see so many times in scripture, Jesus fellowshipping with people via food and drink. And so at the heart of this prayer stood this central biblical symbol of the kingdom, the great festival banquet which God prepared for his people. And so Isaiah, he talks about this great banquet. In Isaiah 25, 6 to 8, it says this, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tear from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace. From all the earth, the Lord has spoken. So this thing, this party, this banquet, this Jesus fellowshipping with his people is a sign that God is acting at last to rescue his people and wipe all the tears away. So when Jesus fellowship, it was a sign of the kingdom coming. 
when he was with people eating and drinking with them. It was a future sign that, listen, I'm coming to wipe away all tears. And so that's why you see scripture where it talks about him doing this so much. Jesus parties, he fellowships, and his feeding the followers in the wilderness were intended for those with eyes to see, to pick up the theme and to celebrate it. And so often the most powerful things that Jesus did were actions. They weren't words. And so why did they criticize him? Why did they criticize him for doing this? Why did they call him a glutton and a drunkard if it was pointing to the kingdom and the Messiah to come? The reason they criticized him was he was celebrating with all the wrong people and at the wrong time. Jesus was celebrating his kingdom with Zacchaeus fellowshipping with him, eating and drinking in Zacchaeus' home. Zacchaeus, a tax collector? Why would the Messiah do this? Why would he stoop so low to do this, to be with somebody like Zacchaeus? How is the Messiah if he does that? How is he bringing the kingdom if he does that? Then Jesus celebrated the kingdom at the wrong time. Jews had days they fasted, commemorating, you know, the great sadness in Israel's history. You know, to make aware of, you know, all the pain that they did through, they brought themselves more pain by fasting. And so Jesus refused to fast on the last days. He refused to fast on the last days. Now, for all those who have been fasting during the 21 days of prayer, you're asking, why are we fasting then? Um, we should be having food parties during the 21 days of prayer. It should maybe be called the 21 days of feasts. Uh, and you know what? We should be have charcuterie every day, Brazilian barbecue Wednesdays, you know? If Jesus didn't fast when they said to fast, why are we fasting? Well, we fast because, you know, it shows our need for, for Christ. But anyways, Jesus, during this time, Toward the end of his life, he wasn't fasting. Jesus, instead of recognizing those days by fasting, he threw parties. He ate with his people. He fellowshiped with them. Because the kingdom is here. And he would say this, how can guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have them with him, them. He was celebrating the kingdom of God, and you cannot look miserable and keep fasting while this is going on. Listen, fast during Tuesday to Thursday. Don't, don't, do not fast. Don't hear me what I'm saying. This, I'm talking about the context of the kingdom and what Jesus was doing here. This prayer was a prayer for the complete fulfillment of that kingdom. Give us this day our daily bread. This prayer was showing that the kingdom was coming. For God's people to be rescued from hunger, from guilt and fear. Give us this day our daily bread means in this setting, let the party continue. Let the kingdom come here, right now. Matthew's prayer is actually translated this. Give us today our bread for tomorrow. So the Lord's Prayer here in Matthew is in line with Jesus' whole agenda, which means give us here and now the bread of life, which is promised for the great tomorrow, for the great tomorrow, the great feast. So in other words, when you say give us today our daily bread, you're saying the blessings of the kingdom right now. Now you are hearing that and you are thinking, wow, this is bold. But the whole point of the kingdom isn't about shifting our wants and desires to a non-physical level. 
moving from earthly to spiritual, but it's about God's dimension coming to birth within us. Let it be birth within us. Lord, give us today our daily bread. Let it rise up within us. Daily needs and desires point beyond themselves to the promise of God's kingdom, where death and sorrow are no more. But that means, too, that the promise of the kingdom includes, includes our needs. It does include our needs. It doesn't look down on them. So when we pray for our daily needs, we are praying the kingdom that is meant to come will come right now into those needs. That great feast that Jesus showed throughout Scripture, we're asking for that to come into our daily needs. That great feast, that celebration will happen in our daily needs today. That's what we're saying. We're saying, give us today our daily bread. So this section of prayer is about our soul, our relationship with our Father, but it's also about our stomach. It is about our needs. So, what does this prayer for praying for daily bread looks like look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. So first thing is is to bring all our desires to God. I don't know about you, uh, but sometimes my thoughts, they are not coherent. Um, last week, I asked somebody if they could pass me a hot dog. Uh, there was no hot dogs present, though. That was the thing. And so I was thinking about hot dogs, obviously craving them, you know, a Costco on the mind. Uh, then I asked somebody to pass me a pen, and then it came out, please pass me a hot dog. And so sometimes when we come to prayer, our, our thoughts feel like that sometimes. There is a buzz of fear and hopes that come out. There, there are wants that come out and puzzling questions maybe you've been looking for to be answered. Sometimes there's deep sadness. Sometimes there's real anger. Uh, and hopefully there's, there's joy and delight as you go into prayer. But in the midst of that, we have that desire that we pray, right? That's the thing. We have the desire that we pray. So what are we to do with all these devices and all these desires that run through our heads? Well, we bring them to God. We bring them to Him. Sorry. We pray these desires to God so He can answer them and use them for His purpose. He's going to sort those out. And Scripture is full of stories where people brought their deep natural longings into the presence of God and found them answered by being taken up with His purposes. Throughout Scripture, we see that. Naomi, she longed uh, that her daughter-in-law, Ruth, might have an, a husband. God answered that longing. Eventually, Ruth became the great-grandmother of King David, the man after God's own heart, who is now in line of Jesus. Hannah, she longed for a child. God gave her Samuel, who would become then the mouthpiece to Israel. But then you know, there's the disciples in Acts 1. They were longing for Israel uh, to become the world's great nation. And Jesus, he answered that cultural, cultural bound, political hope in a totally unexpected way. Sending them out as world ambassadors to announce Jesus as the new worldwide king. So there's a new nation now that was being proclaimed by these people. It doesn't always look the way you think when you bring your desires to Christ. We leave him to answer and to work through them. I'll tell a story. Um, there was one moment where... Uh, 
I, Kim and I both felt I should work for investors group. And so that required me to get my mutual funds license. So I had went got my mutual funds license. Uh, and then I started working for investors group. About six, seven months into it, I was pretty young. And I was like, I'm not sure if this is cut out for me. It's on commission. And then here I am, such a young person, trying to convince maybe or persuade or even just give people the confidence that, you know what, I'm going to handle your money well. And you know, some of them are double my age. And so eventually I was like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. But we felt the Lord leading it to us, and we did it. And so I stepped down from that job, uh, and there was a time where I didn't have a job for like three months. And so Kim, she had to go back to Viterra and work. And as a husband, you're like, well, God, what are you doing in the midst of this? It's like, we thought we listened to you. Why are you doing this to us? And so she had uh, just got off maternity leave with our firstborn, Malachi, and so now she had to go back. And so she heads off to work. Then three months later, I get a job at a credit union, and it's being an investment specialist. And so in that meantime, Kim gets pregnant, and then she works just a little bit longer, then she takes maternity leave after she has Zion, and then you know what? she gets topped up because she was able to work for that time in between. And then investor group leads me to TD Canada Trust, where I become the manager. And then that leads me to Eston College, where I become the finance officer. And that leads me then to continuing my degree. And then that leads me here to you guys today. So we bring all of our desires to him, everything, and we let him sort it out. Sometimes it doesn't look the way we think it is, but we, we leave it at his feet. Sometimes you got those jumbled things through your mind. Listen, we bring them to the Lord. This prayer, give, give us today our daily bread, reminds us that our natural longings for bread and all that it symbolizes are not shunned as if they are evil. It reminds us that the Lord speaks to us. He has put something into us that we desire that we wouldn't necessarily desire. Of course, like, listen, don't leave here asking for a new Lambo, or a Lambo. I guess not a new Lambo, but just maybe just one in general. Or to be, you know, the richest in all the West. Or don't be like me and ask for a hot dog. Like, don't leave here asking for those things. But God knows our desires in order that we may turn them into prayer. In order that it may be sorted out, straightened out, untangled, and reaffirmed. So we bring them all to God. The kingdom prayer isn't a prayer as some religions would advocate for our desires to be taken away or annihilated. That's not it. But when we bring them into the setting of the early petition for God's honor, as we talked about with our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, and his will, it asks then for our desires to be satisfied in God's way and God's time. So that's why we pray that first. So, for these 21 days of prayer, bring those desires to Him. He knows the needs of our stomach. He knows them. The second thing is, that we see in this prayer, is God intends us to pray for specific needs. Now, it can be easier to pray, God bless everyone, tiny Tim style, rather than to pray, God bring peace to Ukraine and Russia, which is very specific bring unity. Listen, it may seem more spiritual maybe to pray for the conversion of the world than for a parking space near to where the meeting is going to happen that you're going to be late for. Now, of course, we, we would trivialize prayer 
If we thought it was only about praying for parking spaces, our favorite sports teams, or for me to be done this sermon quicker. But... Once we pray the prayer for our daily bread within the kingdom prayer where it belongs, God, I love you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. When we do that and turn then to specific things we honestly need right now, it's not trivial. It's not trivial. It is precisely what children do when they love and trust the one that they call father. It's precisely what we do. What I did for my, with my dad and my parents is what my kids do with me now. My kids, they ask for things. Jude, like I said, he's got some wild desires. He asked for a real dinosaur. Malachi, he's the one asking for Lambo, so I'm speaking directly to him. Uh, and Zion, he just wants to own Mexico so he can just live there. And so, Dad, can we make this happen? Evie, she asked for a specific thing this week. And you know what? And I provided for her. I think all of us find ourselves from time to time falling into the air of thinking that the spiritual is the good, but the bodily is the bad. He's created this temple. He's created us. We can begin to think that what God cares about in his people is that we just think the right spiritual thoughts between our ears. And listen, he does want us to think that way, but he does still, he cares for his people. But certainly one thing a prayer like give us this day our daily bread teaches us is that God is not a God of the spiritual alone, but he cares about our physical needs. We are to come to him with the kind of things that children come to us with. Now listen, on context, obviously, I'm not buying Mexico. And so, but we, there's things within our lives that we're like, it seems trivial, but it's a deep deed maybe within our lives. He says, come to me with everything. Like I said the very first week, we begin to look at this prayer. This whole prayer is summed up in our Father to some extent. If we are really praying to our Father, then we shouldn't be surprised to find that he cares about the kind of things a good dad would care about in his children. What I'm saying is that one thing this prayer teaches us is that there is no shame in going to God and asking for his blessing and his provision as often as my children come to me with a snack request. And listen, that's every 16 seconds. But scripture says, come to him with your needs. Come to him with your needs. Come to him with your needs. Now, do you believe that? Do you come to him with your needs? I mean, do you really believe that? Listen, do you know how you know if you actually believe that? Here's how. When you have a material need or worry, what is your first instinct? What's your first instinct? What is the first thing you do? Do you go to the Father? Is that a rut that you've worn down in your mind? Is that the path that you've worn down in your mind? Is that a track that you naturally fall into when you face a need in your life? Do not forget this. We are asking today for the blessings of the kingdom when we say this prayer. Give us today what is promised for the great tomorrow when we are with you forever. We cannot pray as if we are not children of the high king. We cannot pray like we're just some lonely people who just, you know what, we need to pray recognizing that he is the king, the one who can bring his kingdom here to earth. In other words, we cannot pray with a poverty mindset. 
Even Israel, steeped in slavery and poverty, prayed for kingdom things. They said, Jesus, bring your kingdom. They said, God, we need a new ruler. We need your kingdom to come. They prayed big kingdom things. And so the thing for you to do is to be bold with your requests. Be bold in the things that you're asking. Now, the last thing we see here through this prayer is this. We lift our eyes now beyond our own needs when we pray this section of the prayer. It is impossibly, it is impossible, truly, to pray for our daily bread or tomorrow's bread daily without being horribly aware of the millions who didn't have bread yesterday, who don't have bread today, and in human terms, are unlikely to have bread tomorrow. What can we do about this? Well, we can give as best as we can to help those, need, those in need. We should be praying this prayer not just for the hungry, but with the hungry. And all who are desperate from whatever their deep need is. All who are desperate from whatever their deep need is. We should see ourselves as we pray the Lord's Prayer as part of a wider Christian family, standing alongside those who are in need and praying for their behalf. This prayer is a call for us, as this whole prayer has been so far, to be people who bring the bread, physical and spiritual, to people. We are meant to go out and help meet the needs of those people who need it the most. Hence, Jesus celebrating the kingdom with those who needed the most. As I mentioned in the beginning, that's why people didn't like him. He was celebrating the kingdom with those who shouldn't have been celebrated with, who people thought they didn't need it or shouldn't have it. The sinners, the widows, the poor, the broken, the sick, this is what the kingdom is about. This is what praying for our daily bread means. In Acts, we see people bringing the bread to everyone, whether it be by sharing Jesus or actually ministries for those who are in need, helping those in need. When we pray this prayer, it is a test whether we are sincere to go out and stand physically with those who need this prayer. Daily bread, we need to meet the needs of those who are needy for them to hear us. We need to meet the needs of those who are needy in order for them to hear us. I tell this, I think I've told this story once before, but Kim's uncle, he's a missionary in Africa. And in this space of Africa and most Africa uh, countries, you know, food is not easily adequate for people to get. And so they went there and they were missionaries for a while. They weren't seeing people come to know the Lord. And then her uncle was like, we need to teach these people on how to live. They cannot hear the gospel over the rumbling of their own stomachs. And so what he did was he then taught these people how to hunt, when to hunt, what season to hunt. And then he gave them opportunities to work and make business. And then they became, you know what, to be nourished. And then they heard everything that they were talking, the story of Jesus is coming to bring the kingdom and meet those who are in need. And they're like, that's what you did for us. You met us. And then they came to know Jesus. Evie, sometimes when she gets hungry, she gets what's called hangry. I don't know if you've heard of this term before. 
she gets upset, anger, or you're emotional. And, and she's always even killed, but when she is hungry, she loses it a little bit. And she, we can't reason with her, but then we feed her, and then she begins, oh, I'm okay. And then maybe we should check her for sugar. Um, but um, then she's more coherent, she's more compliant. We're meeting those needs, and she's now hearing you know, what, what we are teaching her. We too often pray for our bread and forget about the bread of those who need it around us. Too often we do that. Now, I'm going to wrap this up and we're going to do something here. Uh, I think that's going to be impactful for us as we've heard this and to work through it together. All these aspects of this section of prayer, this section that we just went through, can be wrapped up in communion. Now think about communion in this section of prayer and how they intersect. Communion forms a lens which, through all other aspects, come into focus. Communion is the way which Jesus taught us to remember him, to think of him. If this prayer is the prayer which summed up Jesus' own life and work, enabling his followers to breathe in his life and make it their own, then communion is the symbol which does the same thing pointing us to his dying and his rising. As we take communion in remembrance of him, we are taken back in heart and mind and in this sacramental time and place to the very life of Jesus himself. As he feasted with his friends, as he celebrated one last kingdom party. Communion is the kingdom banquet. And we are honored guests. This is where this clause in the prayer began. Communion is the place where we come with our physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual needs, and we lay them before God, who knows all those desires and everything that we need. The drama of what we do here, coming with empty hands in communion to receive bread, God's bread, the bread of life, the bread of tomorrow, which is Jesus himself, this drama draws together a deep and a rich symbol that the whole action by which we bring our muddled, jumbled selves into the light and love of God. We can bring whatever is on our minds and our hearts to God in this action without fear or shame if our concerns are actually agonizing or trivial. We are trusting that along with our physical bread, the God we call Father will give us all that we need. So this prayer and communion shows us that we are people of Christ, that the people of Christ have the responsibility to come on behalf of those in desperate need, just as Jesus came to us in desperate need. Jesus celebrated the kingdom by sharing his, fe sharing his feast with all sorts of people, so we should too. And this is what we are going to do to close. I know last week we had communion, but this week we're going to do it again. And it's going to be the way we're going to close this service off. So we're going to grab the elements, and Joanne, she's going to play softly as you grab the elements. Uh, and I want you to do, as you grab the elements, I want you to sit there with them, just you and the Lord. And as you hold the bread, I want you to think about what the bread means in light of all that's just been said everything you've just heard this morning. You're going to take the communion on your terms, when you are ready to. 
Take time to pray for your needs before you take communion. All ask the Lord for the kingdom that is promised for tomorrow to invade those areas of need, those things that you have written down, those things that you've been praying for for a long time. Pray for your needs. Be specific. It's not trivial to him. And then pray for someone else. Jesus feasted with everyone. He came for the needs of everyone. Pray for someone, just one person, just one person, who needs the bread of life that you're holding there, that you're thinking about. And then ask yourself, God, how can I be a part of that prayer to answer it? How can I be a part to answer that prayer for that person that I just prayed for? We're thinking about our needs. We're thinking about those who need bread too. And we want to pray for them. But then we want to realize, as we've done these last three weeks, we are apprentice sons and daughters of the living God. And our hearts should break for what his heart breaks for. Now, Joanne, I'm going to invite you to come on up. And as she comes on up, I ask that we all stand together here. So the elements are going to be in the front and in the back. Uh, and I'm going to pray. And after, again, after I pray, I encourage you to go to either space, grab the elements, and then to sit. And then to ask for those two, pray for those two things. Take time. This is not a quick thing. Remember what you're doing here when you take communion is a reminder of the kingdom. It's a reminder of what Jesus was doing He's meeting with these people, fellowshipping with them. It was the promise of the great festival of feasts that was going to be for everyone for eternity, and Jesus was coming to fulfill that. And so when we come and we take our elements together, he is saying, what are your needs? Right? I said, what that prayer means, give us today our daily bread, means give us today the bread that we are promised for tomorrow, that great kingdom. Pray for your needs. Be specific. Be bold. Don't be shy. Don't lose that childlike faith that we sometimes tend to lose. My kids constantly remind that. I need to be more like them. I need to be more like them. I need to be bold like them. And then, again, pray for somebody who needs this bread, who needs it. Be specific with that request. And then ask the dangerous question. God, how can I help fill that prayer request for this person? But the beauty and the danger is that we have a loving, caring God and it's always so good when we listen to his voice and follow him. So let's pray together and I encourage you to take the elements and then sit, pray. And then when you're ready, after you've prayed, you take them as individual. Then I'll close at the end when I feel it's appropriate. Father, we thank you.